Hello again, everybody. I am the Common Sense American. And this week, instead of going after the election insanity, which we've been talking about pretty much ad nauseum for the past few weeks, I think I'm going to shift gears a little and switch to the other top subject that's on everybody's minds right now, which is the new uptick in coronavirus cases. And that has caused uh, another smattering of lockdowns and draconian edicts from various governors, most of whom are Democrat across the nation. And now we've got people like Cuomo and people in and, uh, Lightfoot in Chicago saying that you have to limit your holiday gatherings, 10 per party. Maybe you should do it outside. Apparently, these people don't live in cold areas. And yet, it's really ironic because a lot of these governors are making these edicts in places that get awfully cold around Thanksgiving. But, you know, what difference does it make? We can, we'll, we'll save lives, right? Um, I have done a few podcasts uh, this year about it, obviously. Um, I have spoken a lot about. Uh, the myths surrounding it and the truth surrounding it, some of which we don't want to face, uh, I still come down on the fact that the number one number we should always be concerned about is the mortality rate, which has always been low and now is even lower. Um, they're talking about this, this rise in cases, and that's true. There are rises in cases in certain states across the country. What they're really not telling you, and the reason they're not telling you this, of course, is because it doesn't play into their fear-mongering narrative, is that the percentage of deaths and hospitals, hospitalizations is much lower in many places. For example, in my state, uh, while there has been, uh, I think they reached a new high of 5% uh, positive testing uh, for, the, for the virus, the hospitalizations and deaths percentages are way, way lower, much lower. And I know a few people in the medical industry, uh, nurses and a doctor, who are saying that mo most of them are agreeing that what we're dealing with is something different right now. This is a different strain. This is a slightly different or maybe even significantly different disease than what cropped up in you know February. Uh, they say that the symptoms are less people to get over it faster. Um, it's just as infectious. Uh, it, it's, it's just as easily spreadable, I, I, I understand. However, when people are getting it, uh, they are recovering much faster and they're reporting uh, much lighter symptoms. And that, I believe, there could be a number of reasons for that. It could be a different strain or we could be, you know, building up something a little bit more of a resistance to it as humans tend to do. Um, but either way, that seems to be something, there's something different about this. I have a, I know somebody who's a member of the family uh, who honestly is a medical nightmare, um, very overweight, probably diabetic, uh, has a million problems, uh, all, all a direct result of that weight. And he recently tested positive and he's been in the hospital and he's not in great condition for obvious reasons. I mean, you get something like this and we all know it will uh, really affect those who are not in very good condition much worse. It'll be, it'll be more difficult for them. And so he is having some trouble, but it looks like he's going to pull through. It looks like he's going to get over it. And if that guy, who's also, I think he's about 70, 75, by the way, if that guy can come through this, who looks to me, as far as I'm concerned, I look at that guy and I see his medical history and I see the condition he's in, I think a cold will take him out. If that guy comes through this, I don't think anybody should be concerned. I mean, look at Chris Christie, right? Talk about a nightmare. And that guy is obese and has guaranteed all kinds of problems, high blood pressure, all, all kinds of issues associated with his weight, and he's fine. Trump is not in the greatest physical condition. He's not. He's fine. 
I mean, if you really look at, I always use this this analogy. Look, if you have a plague that comes down of some kind that starts taking out parts of humanity, every single person in this civilization knows somebody of some note that went down from this, that died from this. Politicians of note, celebrities, uh, members of the media, whoever, people you've heard of. Every single person I talk to cannot name one person that's died from this. Of Again, of note. And there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that we all know that you say a name and you would recognize it. You might not be that familiar with the person, but you'd recognize it. Right? There have been a few, I think there's been a very few, there's been a few older individuals who succumbed to it that we might have heard of, local politicians, some minor celebrities maybe in the past, like they were big at one point or at least significant. But because the mortality rate is so low, literally 0.05%, I think at this point, you're not going to really know anybody who succumbs to this. And let's not forget that people with money and people of note tend to have money. Uh, they also get the very best care, so they're very unlike Tom Hanks isn't going to die from this. I mean, it's just not going to happen. This is not a killer. That is the thing that we have to stop pretending. The, the flu took out 80,000 last year. It can take out more than 100,000 any given year because it goes out to the elderly and the sick and the infirm, just like most viruses and illnesses do. And they will take a portion of us out. I'm sorry. This is the way it is. COVID is no different. It's a little more severe, but again, what we're looking at now might be not as severe. So the reaction to this is, is to cripple the economy and basically take people's rights away. Now, you know, I, I want to say this. Uh, in 2019, when I took my, my trip to Ireland, I was the only one on that plane wearing a mask. Uh, I, wear a, I wore a mask because I, I work from home. Uh, again, let me clarify. It's not the podcast. I don't make any money off of this. I don't do any... Uh, this is just for fun. That's not what I do. I'm a writer. I'm an editor. This is not my job. But I work from home. So because of that, I don't get anywhere near the level of interaction with other people that most people get, right? Which makes me more vulnerable to a lot of of just random colds and diseases and all kinds of things that I will come in contact with. Like if you go to an airport and get on an airplane and travel all over the place. Everybody's susceptible then, but me especially so. And I was going to be there for a month, and I really didn't want to be sick, and so I wore a mask uh, on the plane. I was the only one on that plane that wore a mask. Uh, ironically, on the way back, I didn't wear a mask standing in a two-hour customs line. I wore it on the plane, but by then the damage had been done. I also hadn't worn a mask on the three-hour train ride to the train station, and I got a pretty bad cold. Uh, when I got back. I was okay with that. I didn't have it when I was there. I, I wanted to be healthy when I was there, and I was. Uh, and I got sick on the way back because I didn't wear the mask. And again, I'm very susceptible. Okay. But my point is, the more we wear masks, the more the reason I'm susceptible is because I am not coming in contact with a lot of the germs and stuff that's floating around that other people come in contact with. My family's in the retail business. They're, they for 40 years, have been come in contact with everything on the face of the planet. They may as well work in a hospital. And uh, because of that, they are much less vulnerable. They fight off much more. If we all start wearing masks, if we all start living in a bubble, we're going to get every damn thing on the face of the earth when that stuff comes off because we have not built up any immunities. We've, not done, we've done nothing to allow our bodies to assimilate to the environment and fight off what's out there. We are going to be extremely vulnerable to everything. The colds are going to be running rampant. They're going to be bad. 
because and it's going to take a while to get over these, much longer. The more you wear a mask, the more you uh, restrict yourself from interaction with the world and other people, the more vulnerable you are going to be. I don't know why we're not talking about this more. Uh, it's, a, it's a significant issue. You're just going to have to do it. Bottom line is you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to get out there. You're going to have to put yourself out there so you can continue to survive and not get sick all the time. People who stay home all the time tend to get sick as soon as they go out. There's a reason for that. Okay? It's a very obvious medical reason for that. And now you want to say that everybody just has to wear masks forever? I mean, I'm getting used to it. I have to wear a mask everywhere. I live in a very liberal state. There's, I can't go in any store or public building without one. I just keep it in the car. I have, I have no choice. Um, I've, I've gotten used to it. Like I said, I, I always used to wear it when I travel anyway. So it doesn't really bother me. What bothers me is the rules behind it. How is that? This is my question. How is this uptick happening when everywhere around me, everyone is wearing a mask in public? And I mean everybody. It's about 90% where I am. It's about, I'd say, I'd wager it's about 90% in this state. Everybody I see out in public, in stores, in anywhere close proximity to people is wearing a mask. Working, shopping, whatever. And it's been that way for three or four months. Okay? This, when I, when this first happened and they first started the mask thing, uh, it was February or March or something for us, I, I went into a Target and I'd say there were about half, maybe 40% of the people wearing a mask uh, at that time. And cases were already starting to dwindle a little bit. They were sort of evening out. And five, six months later, uh, everyone's wearing a mask, and, every, and I mean everyone, and cases spike. Okay, so you're going to have to explain that to me. Now you're coming out and, you're, and medical experts are sort of saying, well, masks are helpful, but they don't, they're not a guarantee. It's just best to stay away from people. Hence these new social distancing guidelines. You know, you're going to have to pick something here. Pick a lane. First, you tell us that it's medically, uh, a medical truth that masks help and prevent this. And then we get a giant uptick in a surge in cases. And these, oh, well, now you just have to stay away from people. Look, here's the thing. Pretty much everybody who gets this survives. And I mean, it's about, and between the ages of like two and 65, it really is everybody. Statistically, it's everybody. And it's not really even taking out those who are, who are that vulnerable anymore. Uh, like I said, you look at the mortality rate and this is, this cannot be our reaction to something like this because something far worse is going to come. What are we going to do then? How much more, how much stricter can we get? What else are we going to shut down? The reason why our governor won't shut this state down again, and he made this, this plan last week, despite the surge in cases, is because he finally saw the numbers. He finally saw that the state is, it was basically bankrupt before the COVID, because of course it's Democrat run and has been for decades, and that's a crap hole. And he, it, was, it was almost bankrupt before this happened. Then he goes and shuts everything down, and businesses go out of business, and we have all kinds of problems. And now even during a surgeon case, says, no, we can't afford to do that. Oh, really? You couldn't afford to do it before. You certainly can't afford to do it now, and other governors are going to be seeing the same thing. Which is why you are not going to see the same, quite the same, just, okay, that's it, everything shut down. You're not going to see that in so many places because governors will start getting these numbers. They're always late on this. They're late to get the numbers from the last quarter or the last, you know, the last fiscal quarter and see where their budget stands and where their taxes stand and all of that. And they, we have not felt the impact of these stimulus packages yet. 
Not, not even the local governments. We have not felt the impact of losing some of these businesses. We have not felt the impact of some of these uh, employment losses. That really hasn't happened yet because we've been bolstering it. We've been still paying these people to sit home. Uh, and which, by the way, just as a segue here, uh, uh, we've been giving people $600 uh, additional on top of their unemployment. It was $300. They think they cut it to $300. Um, I think there was a certain percentage, like 40 or 50% of the people who were out of work from COVID were making more money, significantly more money sitting home than they were working. That can't happen. That shouldn't happen. It's insane. You are not incurring the same costs either. You're not driving. You're not doing anywhere near as much. You have the same living costs at home, I suppose, but you're going to just start increasing people's pay because they're home. And next step is you're going to start demanding that employers not fire them, not lay them off, which is we're getting right to a, that's, that's an Atlas Shrug situation. That's something Ayn Rand warned us about when employers were basically turned into slaves and said, you know, you have to hire these people. You can't fire anybody. You have to give them jobs. And employers throw their hands up in the air and go, well, what do you want from me? This is a business. If we can't run the business, we can't pay these people. And the government comes back and says, well, it's too bad. It's your problem. And, of course, the whole system implodes, which is what we're heading towards if you keep this up. Some governors are figuring it out. But at this point, at this point, what do masks really do for us? Now, I know people are going to say, well, it's an infringement on our rights. Okay, well, what happens when the vaccine shows up? My question is, are they going to make it mandatory? Now, let's not forget, there are plenty of vaccines that are mandatory right now. Uh, for children going to school, for for example, polio, mumps, and things of that nature, measles. Now, those diseases are killers. Polio crippled many, killed many. Mumps, measles, they had a very high death rate, especially amongst youth, amongst young people. This thing does not kill kids. It absolutely does not. Statistically, does not kill children. It kills like three out of a billion or something, or whatever. There's not. They don't even really get that infected. They bear, really don't even get sick. They're spreaders more than they are sufferers. Um, the, and like I said from the start, this is not getting the young and the healthy. This is not taking out the backbone of society. That means that backbone of society still needs to be working. They need to get out there, be common sense about it, go to work, do your normal stuff, stick around with other people, you know, who are also young and healthy, st you know, maybe avoid the nursing home for a little while, make, you know, or wear a mask when you go, just be have some common sense about this and people will be fine. Forcing people to do this and and basically saying you have no choice is a problem. This is the language Democrats have been using for a while. And COVID just sort of brought that out. Like when Fauci there said, just do what you're told, that right there is what's causing pushback. That is the type of language that Democrats have been using for years. And the reason why there has been so much pushback against it. It's not a... Everything they say is, and I've made this point before, everything they say uh, sounds like an, uh, an order, an edict, an authoritarian statement, coupled with some sort of insult. Like, you're too stupid to understand this, so just do it and shut up, which is really what everything sounds like to, to us, to people on, on the other side of the spectrum. That's what it always sounds like. All you do is insult us and order us around like we're a bunch of children, and that's what you really think. You really think that's what we are. You know, you're, we're just a lesser species, so we need to be educated. We need to be, and we need to be controlled. You know, you're not going by, quote, the science. You just want people to, quote, die. 
And that's why you're against so many of these lockdowns and restrictions. No, I'm against it because you don't have any facts to support what you're doing. I understand there's a disease. I'm not one of those people who thinks that COVID's a myth. I'm not one of those people uh, who say it hasn't killed anybody. It has, again, just like so many other very similar strains, like the flu, for example, has killed hundreds of thousands in recent years, but we don't talk about that. And of course, here's the other thing. People don't mind it as much because there's vaccines for the flu. Now, vaccines for the flu, as far as I'm concerned, and based on all the research I've done, are completely useless. They can guard against one strain. Every year, uh, doctors do the research and try and figure out which strain might be the most dominant for that year and immunize you to, to that strain. If you happen to come in contact with anything else, any other sort of cold or, or flu strain, you're getting it. Okay? I've known people who get a flu shot diligently every year and have gotten the flu four times. I never get the flu. I never get a flu shot. I, nobody in my family does. They never get a flu shot. Uh, they're, they're, those are anecdotal, I understand. But look up the statistics for yourself. Find, do Google up some articles as to whether or not flu vaccines are effective. There's a, there's a definite argument there. And there's plenty of science to back the idea that these vaccines really don't do much of anything at all. So you're going to suddenly tell me in the wake of all this evidence that the COVID one will, and you're going to try and make it mandatory? I don't think so. I know they make it mandatory for healthcare people. I think the flu vaccine is, but you're not making it mandatory for citizens. Oh, no, you're not. Not something that doesn't kill somebody. Not something that is has a mortality rate of 0.05, or I think it's 0.03% globally, that does not go after the young and healthy, that does not take out the people who, who basically run a civilization. Just be common sense about it. Give it to those who are at risk. If, as, you know, give it to those who are at risk. Give it to those who frequently come in contact with those who are at risk, which is not that many of us, let's face it, and go from there. You can't make it mandatory, and you can't tell me that the vaccine is 95% effective because we all know that's a lie. They've been saying that about vaccines for a long time. Some of them work just fine. Most of them are that the, the effective rate is way overstated. And why? Because they want you to take it. Now, when they say, oh, no, you just want people to die, that's why you're pushing back, that's not why. You don't have the science on your side. It's how you present the numbers. My paper, my daily newspaper, which I don't get anymore, but I, my parents do and I've seen it in passing, every single day will run an update as the number of total coronavirus cases in the state, the number of hospitalizations, the number dead. That's it. And of course the number always goes up because it goes up. It goes up all the time. There's a few more here and there. It never will tell you how many are recovered. It will never list the mortality rate, which fluctuates a little here and there. Never will it do that. Why? Because if it did that, it would temper the whole thing. There would be not much fear because you, if you run these giant numbers, if you say, you know, 157,000 cases of COVID, and then you say 155,947 recovered, people are going to be going, well, what the hell? Why are we freaking out about this? And that's what those numbers are. That's what the numbers are everywhere. It's because they're playing on emotion just like all leftists and Democrats do. One person dies, that's it. Freak right out. And you don't care because you're insensitive and blah, blah, blah. Look, we have things that kill people. This is hardly the most dangerous one. Hardly the most dangerous thing out there. And let me, let me also add that uh, it, this calls into question the conditioning of our society. The only reason it's hitting us as hard as it is is because we are poor in poor condition. I've said this many times, and it absolutely remains the truth. This, these are the facts. This crops up 60, 70 years ago. It's a blip on the radar. I guarantee it. 
Yes, we had some smokers and alcoholics in the, in the 40s and 50s. I Trust me, we're all aware that life expectancy wasn't as great because medicine wasn't as good and people lived like crap. Although today we have the obesity issue, which causes a myriad of problems. Many of them uh, will, are, are, you know, cause you to be in a condition to be very vulnerable. And something like this is coming at you. And that is the reason why we're getting hit from this. They don't want to tell you what percentage of COVID deaths uh, are people who had many other underlying conditions. And many of those are a direct result of poor conditioning from obesity and just bad lifestyle in general. Right? We don't want to talk about that. That's what matters. That's the problem. That's the issue. Not, the, not COVID. That just brought it out. That just reminded us that we're in woeful condition physically. And mentally in a lot of ways. Um, but the mask thing, you really, I don't quite understand. Because if it was work, if, if, if it worked, and less than half the people I saw in the span of a few months were wearing them, and cases were just sort of evening out, now you're telling me that when I see masks everywhere, here comes the surge. Well, something's up then. I don't know what it is, but it's not matching your rhetoric. And your vaccine... That's fine to have. You can't make it mandatory for a variety of reasons. You can't make it mandatory based on the mortality rate. You can't make it mandatory on the fact that wh who it goes after. What you need to be focusing on is fixing this country's health. That is the underlying core of all of this. That's all there is to it. And as for individual rights, I'm all for them. I'm all for them. You can't be coming into people's homes and telling them they can't have a certain number of people at Thanksgiving or Christmas. Try it. I'd love to see you try that. Already, you got New York uh, law enforcement saying they're not going to enforce Cuomo's orders, saying, no, we're not doing that. You know, And that's the thing. That's the thing. Take solace in this. If they go too far, if the governors and the political leaders, there's a certain point where if they pass it, the people simply won't follow it, including law enforcement, as we're seeing. They're just going to say, no, you're too crazy. We're not doing that. I'm not enforcing that. You don't have, we're just not going to do it. And it's the same thing with taxes, by the way. Once you hit a certain tax point, people are just not going to pay it. The rich are going to go, huh, no, we're done. We're leaving. We're leaving the country. We're hiding our money overseas. Whatever it is, we're not paying that. There's a, there's a point. There's always a breaking point with rules and regulations where the people, at one, you know, once you reach that point, the majority of them say no. Try and stop it. And then you really can't because there's too many people. You can't throw them all in jail. You can't all find them. You, can't, you just can't. At that point, it becomes a non-existent rule and, a, and the edict doesn't matter and no one cares. You know, And that's the point they're going to be reaching. So that's a, take solace in that because that can happen and will happen and has happened. You know what I mean? If they go too far, we're just going to say, yeah, we're not doing that. Sorry. You know what I mean? You can't do that to us and it's not going to happen. You don't have the, you like science so much. Here's the science numbers on this. The science numbers that you don't apparently want to report because you want to uh, promote a certain narrative. You need to embrace all the numbers, not just the ones you want to present, and then we'll talk. And that's how that needs to go. So anyway, that's, uh, that's my podcast for this week. Uh, let me remind everybody that the inauguration for Joe Biden is January 20th. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say anything that I think Trump is still going to win. Or win. I, Look, I predicted a Biden victory a little while ago. Um, I know there's fraud out there. I'm well aware of it. It's, it's not going to change anything. It's just not. I'm not watching that inauguration. I don't care about Joe. I don't care about any of those people. Uh, but it, it's over. I, I know people hate me for that. But look, it just is. You're not, you can 
scream and kick and whine about this all you want. And yes, absolutely investigate all of it. Yes, yes, election integrity is important. We need to investigate all this fraud and see where it leads us. It's not going to lead to another term for Trump, but we do need to investigate for the sake of future elections. And uh, that's it for me. And um, thank you again for listening. Please catch me uh, on iTunes and uh, all the other um, streaming applications and things like that. I'm pretty much on all of them now, I think. Again, no ads, always free. Share with your friends. Subscribe, also free. I only do one short show a week. And um, I will see you again. Thank you.